I want you to look over uh, at the Gospel of St. Luke, and I want you to look with me at verse number one. Today I want to preach a message. It's the antithesis of what I said last Sunday. Last Sunday I talked about saying no to God, but this Sunday I'm going to talk about saying yes to God. And I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, the fifth chapter and the first verse. And I want us to read this together. And so it was as the multitude, verse 1, pressed about him to hear the word of God, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked Peter to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered to him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the boat, in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so that they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is so good, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So that when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and follow Jesus. They forsook all and follow Jesus. And I want to preach today just for a few moments on this thought, saying yes to God. And I believe today someone is going to say yes to God, and we're going to talk about the power that is released when you say yes. Father, today I'm asking you to touch the hearts of every person that is watching. I thank you, Lord, for the all the people that have shared this today, and I pray someone would share it even now, and that someone watching through a share would hear the word of the Lord and give their life to Jesus today. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll give somebody a second chance today. I pray somebody who's waited and delayed would say yes to the voice of God, and that today, Lord, you will unlock their purpose and their destiny and they'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You would be hard-pressed to find a three-letter word in the English vocabulary that has more power and potential than the word yes. It's impossible to count all of the things and all of the blessings and all of the goodness that has been released by the yes that comes from the heart and the lips of a child of God. We say yes to many things. Some things we say yes to we know the outcome of. Devin asked me after church today, do you want to go to get some Mexican lunch? The answer is yes because I know the outcome will be positive for me. I was at a wedding just yesterday, and I was thinking about this message that I was going to preach on saying yes, because sometimes we say yes to things and we don't know the outcome. We have to trust the outcome. When a man asks a woman to marry him, she says yes by faith, but doesn't know what life will hold. We often say yes to things uh, and we wonder where the yes will take us. We say yes to daily requests. Our bosses give us tasks and say, will you do this? And we say yes. Our children 
pull on our coat and say, will you give me this? And we say, yes. Yes is a powerful word. It's a three-letter word, but it's a word that releases potential and power. And if I could tell you this, yes is is even in the character of God because Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 11 and 10, he tells us that Jesus Christ, that the Lord Jesus that we preach to you, he was not a Jesus of yes and no. And the reason that's important is because James reminds us that a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. Paul says of the character of Jesus, he was not yes and no, but yes only. And that all the promises in God were yes and amen in Christ Jesus. There's something powerful about being in the affirmative. There's something powerful about having a yes in your spirit. There's something powerful that happens when you and I can hear and discern the invitation and the voice of God and respond with yes. And I want you to know today that God wants to take, and that's part of what sanctification is about, is about God extracting out of our heart the double-mindedness and the double allegiance and giving us a heart that is solely fixed on honoring and pleasing and obeying God. And God wants you and I to understand today that every person listening, every single person who's listening or watching this today is always given an invitation and an opportunity by God. Yes is actually a response to a request. And I want you to understand today that that God is always initiating the request and he has a tremendous thing in mind when he gives you the request. And in this text I read to you today, God starts talking to an apostle named Peter who Jesus had tremendous plans for. I mean, this is the man we get the privilege of reading his story from from the end backwards if we so choose. And we know that Peter became an apostle and a tremendous leader in the church. And he preached one sermon and 3,000 people get born again. But what I want you to understand is that nobody knew that in Luke chapter 5. Nobody knew that Peter would be a great Pentecostal preacher. No one knew that he would be the father of the early church. No one knew that his shadow would heal the sick and the blind. And in this fifth chapter of Luke, we're introduced to Peter, not as the bishop and the preacher and the, and the apostle, but we're introduced to Peter as the fisherman. And the Bible says that God came to Peter with several requests. Jesus comes to Peter and the first request that Jesus has of Peter is, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? I got something that I want to do in the earth, in the heart of this multitude that is gathered around this hillside, but in order for me to be heard, I've got to back up a little bit from the crowd, get out on the water and teach them, and in order to say something that they can hear, I'm going to need your boat, Peter. He gives Peter a request, can I use your boat? And then he keeps on with the invitations. Can you launch out into the deep? And he doesn't stop there. He says, will you launch out into the deep, but also will you drop down your nets for a catch in the deep? Request after request after request. Here's what I need you to understand today. When God gives you a request, it's all part of a really big plan. You need to understand today that your life is a significant life and that your place in the puzzle of God's masterpiece is a place in that puzzle nobody else can fit in but you. When God says, Peter, I want to use your boat. Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep. Peter, I want you to let down your nets. You've got to understand that this request is part of the plan of God. Everyone say this with me at home here, wherever you are, say this, God has a plan. God has a plan. I want to tell you today, he's not coming up with a plan. He's not reaching out for a plan. 
He's not reacting to the nightly news. He has already decided how this thing is going to end, when this thing is going to end, and what it's going to look like when it's all over. God is a God of foreknowledge. He does not work from beginning to the end. He actually works from the end backwards. Oh, you need to hear this today. Isaiah 46 Verse number eight, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, saith the Lord. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Watch this, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, I declare things that are not even done yet saying, my counsel shall stand, I will accomplish my plan and purpose. What I want you to know today is that God's plan has already been decided, and this is really good news. Because every morning we wake up, it's a new headline. Every morning we wake up, it's, a, it's, it's news. But there is no news to God. You cannot inform a God who already knows tomorrow before we ever get there. You can never inform him and tell him what's coming because he's already been in the day that will bring oh, what is on the way. God has already been at the end and in his sovereignty went back to the beginning and announced from the beginning what he already purposed in the end. And now watch this. Not only does God have a plan, but he's working that plan. Somebody say that right now. God is working his plan. God is working his plan. Every detail of his eternal plan is being carried out and executed with perfection. This is why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 that God works all things. Listen, all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, the counsel of his will is what he decided and knew about in his mind. And whenever you see something happening in the earth, you must understand God, it did not catch God off guard. It's all a part of the plan. God is working the plan. You need to understand God is working the plan when it looks like it makes sense. But as Pastor Jojo saying this morning, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I can't trace him, he's up to something. And I don't see how he could get glory out of a pandemic that has struck our nation and the nations of the earth. But I want you to know God did not get caught off guard. God God is working all things according to the counsel of his perfect will. And this is significant. And, and, and I want you to know what is significant about it is that not only does God have a plan, not only is he working the plan, but I'm going somewhere. I, I want you to know that you are a part of the plan. You need to understand that you're a part of the plan. When God started telling Peter, when Jesus said, Peter, I need to use your boat, when he requested the boat and requested him to launch out into the deep, you need to understand that this was an invitation from Jesus to Peter to be a part of the plan. This is crazy to think about, but the almighty, eternal, powerful God requests you and I to be a part of his purpose and his plan. Like a puzzle, God takes our lives and plugs them in to the right place, connects them to the right people so that not only do we fit in, in, in our personal lives, but our personal lives fit in the bigger plan of God in our generation. Look at this. And when you, when you consider this in the life of Peter, it makes sense because what we see is that God started bringing everything together at the right time so that Jesus would get the glory and Peter would get the blessing. What am I talking about? Watch this. The Bible says, the Bible says that you and I were known by God in our mother's womb. I want to tell you that you were not an accident. You didn't just happen to be born in this day and time. You were designed by God for this generation. 
God puts you in the family that you're in. God puts you among the friends that you're with. God puts you in the neighborhood that you were born in. God gave you the gifts and the skills and the passions and the dreams to fulfill that God-given purpose that is down on the inside of you. He puts you in the right place. He puts your mama and daddy together at the right time. You are not an accident. I don't care if they left you. I'm not even concerned if you are adopted by other people because what I need you to understand is that you are intentionally placed by God in this generation in the place you're in with the stuff you got and the equipment that is in your life and all of it is because when God looked at his master plan he saw one place in the puzzle that only you could fix and he got everything in order for you and he put everything that you would need around you and he placed you right where you are and then he did something amazing he wrote an RSVP reponde sivu plot oh I'm good let's practice at 33 minutes this morning reponde sivu plot RSVP it looks like this Kevin I'm going to put you in the inner city in Chattanooga I'm going to let Eddie and Gail get hooked up at Kirkman High School I'm going to let them get married they're going to be told they can't have kids but in the right time Kevin I'm going to let Gail get pregnant with you I'm going to raise you in the inner city of Chattanooga I'm going to surround you with culture. I'm going to put you right in the middle of the hood. I'm going to put you right in the middle of all your friends and family. And then I'm going to write you an RSVP. I'm going to let you be raised right around the corner from an African-American church so that all your life when you're a little child, you walk out and you hear the preacher preaching through the windows and the organ playing through the windows. I'm going to put all kind of different gifts inside of you. And then I'm going to send you an RSVP. I'm going to request your boat. I'm going to give you an invitation for me to become the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you an invitation to go back into the inner city of Chattanooga. And I'm going to set everything up for you. All I need you to do is RSVP and let me know you accept the invitation. I'm going to send you a request, Peter. Can I use your boat? I'm going to send you a request, Peter. Can you launch out into the deep? I'm going to give you a request. Will you let down your nets for a great catch? All I need you to do is say yes. Somebody say yes. Yes. Not a shallow yes. Not a seasonal yes. You know them seasonal people. When the season is right, they say yes. When the season is good, they say yes. But God is looking for some people who have an Elisha yes. What is an Elisha yes? An Elisha yes is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. Y'all remember this story? Elijah knows that he's not going to be here much longer. God has already let him know he's going to have to choose a predecessor. And the Bible says that Elijah goes to the hometown of a young man named Elisha, and watch this, and Elisha is obviously a man of means and his family is obviously wealthy because he's got land and he's got oxen in the middle of a famine. And the Bible said that Elisha is plowing with the ox. And while he's plowing the field with the ox, your Bible said Elijah walked past him and threw his mantle on him. And when he threw his mantle on him, don't miss it, Elisha ran and caught up to Elijah and wanted to go with him. He said, can you give me just a minute? I want to go back home and tell mom and dad bye because I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. I've got a yes in my spirit. I cannot ignore the mantle that fell on my life. I can't ignore the call that I feel on my life. I just need to go back and explain to mom and dad that I may never come back home because I'm choosing to follow the call of God for the rest of my life and Elisha runs home watch this this is the kind of yes God wants out of us today Elisha runs back home and he tells mom and dad I'm going to follow the man of God Elijah and your Bible says don't miss it Elisha sacrificed the oxen 
He literally sacrificed and burnt the oxen. What is significant about that? He was saying, I'll never go back to that field again. I'll never go back to that job again. I'll never go back to that comfort zone of my life again. I'm burning it all the way down so that I have nothing to come back to. That's the kind of yes and the kind of loyalty, come on, and the kind of allegiance that God is calling us to in this moment. The Spirit of the Lord is looking for a people who do not list their conditions to God. I, I, I know that there are people watching me right now and you'll follow God as long as he meets your conditions. You'll follow God as long as he meets your criteria. But the Spirit of God is saying today, I'm looking for some people in this hour who are not trying to pad their pocket and they're not trying to follow me because they won't gain. They want to follow me if it means they lose everything because they know to lose their life for my sake is to find it. I want us to have a heart today to say yes to God. Oh, the joy of saying yes to God and cutting all ties and saying whatever it means, Lord, whatever it means, I'm going to say yes and I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. Not a shallow yes, not a seasonal yes, not a selfish yes, but a for real, burn it all down, nothing left to run back to kind of yes. And I want to say this to you. When God comes requesting and sends you the RSVP and invites you into his plan and purpose, I want you to hear me. It is not as much about ability as it is availability. I'm thankful for ability, but I want you to know today availability trumps ability every time. Because God already told us in the book of Corinthians, he takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. There were not many wise, Paul would say. There were not many wise. There were not many astute among you. He was talking to the Corinthian church. He wasn't trying to insult their intelligence. He was trying to say, you're not here because you had your act together. You're not here because you had all of your ducks in a row. You're not here because of your pedigree and because of everybody surrounding you, helping you and opening. The he said, you're here for one reason. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by the spirit of God. And I just want to say to you today that what God is wanting to do in your life the purpose God has for your life, that the request God is initiating to many of you, it has very little to do with your ability, much more to do with your availability and God finding somebody who will not be so busy that they lose the focus and they lose the assignment and they have time for God and they say, you know what? I wasn't put on this earth to do everything and serve God. I was put on on this earth first and foremost more than anything else I'm here on this planet to know God and to know his will and to pursue it and say yes with all of my heart mind soul and strength this is why we're here we are not here filling up space. We are not here warming pews. We are not here working nine to five jobs Monday through Friday and then watching Tennessee beat Alabama on Saturday in a football game. Daddy, there is more to life than this. There's more to life than going through motions and having a spiritual encounter on Sunday. Some of us are too known by our natural identity and our natural experience and we're not known yet in terms of our spiritual identity and the spiritual thing that God is calling us to and I just want you to know today Jesus saved you for more don't miss this he saved you for more than just a ticket to heaven you have a purpose the church has has a responsibility to talk about the there and the after. And we should preach about heaven and we should preach about hell. We should preach about the coming of the Lord. We should remind people to keep their hearts pure because the Lord cometh. But we should also be preaching what people do with life on this earth. Why? Because you and I were created not just to get to heaven but to take people with us. We weren't just created to go to heaven. We were called to bring heaven to earth in some dimension. 
The kingdom of heaven is not just in the there and the yonder. It is both there and yonder and it is here and now. It is the tension, we call it in the theological world, the tension of the already and the not yet. And there are some people who are so heavenly minded that they have forgotten their earthly assignment. And I came today to stir somebody up because God is sending out RSVPs and he's saying, can I use your boat? Can I use your gift? Can I use your ability? I gave it to you. Will you give back to me what I put on loan to you? Will you use your life for my glory? Will you say yes? When I send somebody an RSVP, will they say yes? Will they respond to the request in the affirmative? I want to tell you this right now. If, if you don't know it, there's power in the response of yes. Those who say yes make history. Jesus. In the book of Numbers, stories told of a leader named Moses who sent out 12 spies. And he told the 12 spies, you go to the land that is flowing with milk and honey. And I want you to bring back a report of the land because God has already given it to us. Please hear me. The 12 spies did not go to the promised land with the assignment of finding out if they could take it. It was already theirs. They went to the promised land to see how good it was. Twelve spies sent by Moses. You know the story. They go to the valley of a skull and they find these amazing, they find these amazing clusters of grapes. They drape them over a pole and they come back to a people who've been living in bondage for 400 years. And the twelve spies say, look at the harvest that's on the way. And everybody in the camp of Israel, whoa, we're getting ready to get delivered. We're going to eat, eat grapes and we're going to drink milk and eat honey and it's going to be amazing. And they say, yeah, it looks amazing, but we cannot take the land. Ten of the twelve said, we can't do this. We can't finish this assignment. Here's my point. I cannot tell you one name of the ten who didn't take the land. Why? Because history is not given to those who were cowards and said no to God. History is written by those who, like Caleb and Joshua said, they are mighty, they are large, they are giants, but we are able to overcome them. We know Joshua. We know Caleb. But you can't tell me one name of the other ten. Why? Because history is made by those who say yes to God. Nobody remembers the names of those who say no. When I think of, when I think of why do we remember Caleb and Joshua, we remember Caleb and Joshua because they said yes. Yes to the will of God. Yes, you can have a our lives. Yes, we will charge and take that mountain. Yes, we will believe that that promised land belongs to us and our family. They said yes. And because they said yes, they were the only two of their generation who went into the promised land and took what God had originally promised. But they're not the only ones who said yes. Noah said yes and saved his family and the entire world. Abraham said yes and God made him a father of many nations. Moses said yes and led Israel out of Egypt. Rahab said yes and saved her whole house. Daniel said yes to God and the lion could not destroy him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said yes and the fire could not burn them. Mary said yes and gave birth to Jesus. Peter said yes and became a fisher of men. Paul said yes and the Gentiles came into the kingdom of God. The apostles said yes And they evangelized the known world. Martin Luther said yes, nailed a 95 thesis to the door of Gutenberg and started the Great Reformation. Whitfield, Wesley, and Edwards said yes and gave birth to the Great Awakening. Harriet Tubman said yes and saved the lives of hundreds of slaves during an evil period of slavery. Corey Tenboom said yes and saved hundreds of Jews in the middle of the Holocaust. William Seymour said yes and birthed the Azusa Street. 
street revival. Martin Luther King Jr. said yes and gave us the dream. Reinhard Bonnke said yes and evangelized Africa. Pastor Chris and Amy Ryan and Devin and Ingrid said yes and we're winning Athens to Jesus. Pastor Josh and Lisa Gasselman said yes and raised up multiple generations of young men and women of God who are changing their world. Pastor Gary and Jennifer Keelan said yes, moved to the inner city and now because of the shared department and their heart for God, we're winning Chattanooga to Jesus. And remember and don't ever forget that Jesus Christ said yes. Yes to the betrayal. Yes to the scourging. Yes to the thorns. Yes to the cross. Yes to the beating. Yes to the crucifixion. Yes to the pressure and the pain and the sorrow of Calvary. And because he said yes, you and I have eternal life. If he could say yes, I have no way in my heart to say no to him. He's looking for a yes today. History will be written by those who get an assignment from God and say yes. And then for the results, because God always gives the request and we always have the opportunity to give the response. But your response will determine the results of your life. The obedient. Come help me, I'm almost through, Rick. The obedient will eat the good of the land. Don't get jealous when God blesses someone with goodness. Because somewhere in their life, they said no to self and yes to him. I know that's a weird thought, but I want you to know today, most of the time, you and I say yes to God, it is coupled with saying no to self. <laughs> I'll never forget, I tell this story sometimes, I'll never forget being 21, uh, 20 actually, 20 years old and being given an invitation, Devin and I were just married, we were given an invitation to go to Florida and be an associate pastor at a great church there. I was 20. They were going to pay us a handsome salary. We were going to live 20 minutes from the beach. It was absolutely what I knew to be the will of God. Woo! Sun, Florida, newlyweds. Yes, it's going perfect. Got down to pray about going to Florida. When my knees hit the ground, God said, no, it's not for you. <laughs> and I wanted to say, yes, it is. It actually is, Lord. You just don't know it yet, but it is for us. Devin and I have a real peace about this. God said, it's not for you. I'll never forget having to tell Devin, Devin, we're not going to Florida. Why? What's up? God said, no. Where are we going? We're going to your home church in Athens, Tennessee. Well, that's a little bit of a downer. Florida, cow country. I wanted to go to Florida, just to be really honest with you. It was, a, it was an incredible opportunity for a 20-year-old young man and a 20-year-old young lady, and we were just newlyweds, and we were ready to go. But it wasn't the will of God. It was actually God's will for us to go north, I-75, to Athens, Tennessee. Saying no to self is often connected to saying yes to God. The greatest enemy you have in your life and that I have in mind is not the devil. I believe this with all my heart because Jesus defeated the devil. The greatest enemy I have to overcome is the one that I see when I look in the mirror every morning. Because I don't know about you, but there's this thing in me, maybe not you, but in me, there's this thing that rises up sometimes called the flesh. And if you're ever going to be able to truly say yes to Jesus and follow him, you're going to have to say no to self. And it's painful, and it's humbling. It's incredibly necessary. Because your greatest hindrance of you becoming everything God wanted you to be is your own self. When Peter got the request from Jesus, can I use your boat? Can you launch out into the deep, and can you let down your nets? Peter had plenty of excuses 
why he couldn't RSVP in the affirmative. We've toiled all night long. We've caught nothing. It's where some of you are today. Some of you watching me have been working hard and earning nothing. And I'm not just talking about your job. I'm talking about in life. Giving it all you got and gotten nowhere. Jesus. Jesus says, I I know, Peter, you caught nothing. I, I, I know you're washing your net. I know you think it's over. But life hasn't even begun yet. Can I use your boat? Will you launch out? And when you let down nets, Peter said, Lord, we fished all night and caught nothing. And, you know, I'm really tired and I'm washing my net. But nevertheless, at your word, we'll do exactly what you requested. Peter got the RSVP and said, yes, yes, you can have my boat. Yes, we'll launch out into the deep. Yes, We'll drop down our nets. Yes, we'll move to Chattanooga. Yes, we'll move to Tennessee. Yes, we'll go to that college. Yes, we'll take that job. Yes, we'll go on that missionary assignment. Yes, Lord. We'll do whatever it is you want us to do because at your word, something changes. The Bible says, Peter responded to the request of Jesus. He said, yes, you can have my boat. He launches out into the deep, drops down his net. Here's the thing about Jesus. Do you understand that he not only was the one giving the invitation to Peter, he's not only giving the request to Peter, he's talking to the fish while he's giving Peter the request. He's telling that school of fish, get over here. Get over here. You say, does Jesus speak fish? Jesus speaks anything. He created the fish. He told the fish, get over here. Get over here. Peter, all I need you to do is say yes and get to the deep because if you say yes and get to that place, I've got your blessing in mind and I'm getting ready to arrange it so that when you get to that place, they're going to be there waiting on you. I feel God on me right now. There's not a whole lot of people in this church, but the Holy Ghost is in this room and somebody watching me needs to know right now, if you'll just say yes, if you'll give him your boat, if you'll get to the place, if you'll let down your net, you caught nothing in your own strength. All you've got to do is say yes to him. He's, I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord talking to some people's blessing. Your fish are on the way to your net and you're in the right place right now you're getting ready to launch out and you're getting ready to drop a net and the enemy's telling you you've caught nothing and the Lord sent me to tell you all he was waiting on is for you to say yes when Peter said yes and got to the deep he dropped down the net and the fish went into the net the result of saying yes is that God is going to bless your life But this is what's crazy, Jesus. Your yes will not only bring you blessing, but your bless, your yes is a blessing to other people connected to you. When Peter said yes, fish jumped in his net. So many fish got in the net that it almost broke. Rick, almost broke. That's the kind of blessing David was talking about in the 23rd Psalm when he said, my cup is running over. I want you to know right now, we don't serve El Chipo. We serve El Shaddai. If you'll say yes, my God, he'll fill your net and not just with a few. God is going to overload obedient people with blessing so much so that it's not just going to bless your boat. Everything connected to you, everybody connected. The result of an obedient person is that people who are just a part of your life. I'm sitting there last night. I know this, I don't want this to sound weird or egotistical. And I was sitting in that wedding last night. I looked around and I saw all kinds of couples who got married, they found each other. In, in the church it was at once Mount Meadows a redemption point or a redemption to the nations and they're all sitting in the room and I thought to myself imagine what one no 
could have done to all of that? What if we'd have went to Florida, Dev? What if we wouldn't have went to where we went and gone to Ottawa when God said go? You don't ever understand the power of your yes. When I was praying about this, it was like the Lord showed me your yes is like a rock thrown into a lake. When the rock goes into the lake, there's an initial, like a pile of energy that hits the water. When that rock hits the water, it's like energy and ripples. Just go out and out and out. That's what your yes does. It, it sends out ripples to other people's lives. And they wind up walking in blessing because you said yes to God. See, he has a plan. He not, he not only wants to bless Peter, but he's got James and John in mind too. Peter, if you'll let me yours, use your boat, Peter, if you'll launch out into the deep, Peter, if you'll let down your net, I'm going to bless you, Peter. And I'm also going to bless those connected to you. That's the result of saying yes to God. I feel this so strong right now. Somebody is getting ready to say yes, and it's not just going to be a blessing to you. It's going to be a blessing to those connected to you. And there are going to be some people who even come into your life because you said yes. Their life will be blessed because of your yes. And I just felt the Lord quicken me right then. Somebody has already said yes, and you wonder if your life even matters. Sometimes we get into a place where we can't see the results of our yes, and we wonder, is anybody's life changed at all because I said yes to God? I just want somebody to listen to me who's wondering if you're making a difference. There's a great movie that I watch every year. I usually watch it by myself because it's three hours long and nobody has that kind of attention span in our family to watch a black and white movie that long. But it's a wonderful life. And you know the story of how a man gets the privilege of seeing what life would be like had he not been alive. And you do not know how many ripples are being sent out because you said yes, sir. Ma'am, because you said yes. And I want you to know this today. Earth may never reveal it, but heaven can never forget your yes. Eternity will log and record every soul that was impacted and changed because of your yes to God. So I want to pray for two groups of people right now. I want to pray for people who are not born again and you're not right with God and you're not saved and maybe you knew church and you knew God and you knew Jesus but you've wandered a million miles away. Maybe you've never met Jesus as Savior before. Here's what I want you to know. There is only one reason why Jesus came to earth. He came to redeem lost man back to God. We had fallen. We were sinful people. I was. All of us were. Jesus came to save us. That's what we mean when we say saved. Somebody said, what are you saved from? I'm saved from sin. I'm saved from the devil. I'm saved from myself. So I want to pray with anyone who wants to get saved. You need to be rescued. You don't just need a religious band-aid. You like, you know, there's some... There's somebody watching right now, you feel real screwed up in life and like maybe you're beyond hope. I want to tell you, friend, you're the very person Jesus came to die for, just like you are. I, I feel so strongly today that the Lord wants to save somebody. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching me and you're away from God, I don't care if you've known him or never known him, if you're away from God, I want you to pray this prayer with me today. Dear God, come into my life and Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save me, Lord. Wash my sins and cleanse me. Be the Lord of my life. And then there's someone who's praying that prayer and you say, Pastor Kevin, where do I go from here? I want you to know today is not the finish line, it's the launching pad. 
Salvation is not where we stop, it's where we start. So if you just prayed that prayer, and I don't want you to be ashamed because anyone saved has prayed that prayer. If you just prayed that prayer, I don't care if you put it in the message box there online, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook Live, wherever you're watching from, just put, I got saved. Somebody's going to reach out to you from our team. We want you to know we love you. We got a Bible. We'll help you any way we can. We'll pray for you. Even if you're not in Chattanooga, there are ways through the blessing of technology we can do this. Somebody else today, you're saved already, and you just say, Pastor Kevin, I'm, I'm like double-minded. I need to give God my whole yes. You don't know how many people's lives you're going to touch and change with one yes to God. Jesus said, Peter, can I have your boat? Can you launch out into the deep? Will you let down your net? And the next thing you know, Peter is on his knees worshiping Jesus. James and John have a boat full of fish. And here's what's crazy. Ready for this? You would think after that kind of haul, we're going to put up a new sign and tell everybody how awesome our new fishing business is. But look at the text. They pull back to, they pull back to the shore and the fish are all in the boat. And what do Peter and James and John do? They look at the fish. They look at the stuff. They look at the blessing. And they forsake it all. And they turn around and they follow Jesus. That's what it means to say yes. Somebody who loves Jesus with all your heart today, you're getting ready to be a fisher of men for the rest of your life. You're getting ready to see things that you would have never imagined. All he's waiting on, all he is waiting on is a yes. And I'm praying for that person right now, wherever you are, you're watching me and you say, Pastor Kevin, I love the Lord, I'm saved, but I'm double-minded, I'm in and out, I'm up and down, I'm here, I'm, I'm seasonal in my yes. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes I don't know. God wants to take the double-mindedness out. He's raising up a generation and a tribe of, of zealous, pure-hearted disciples of Jesus who say yes and change the world. I want to pray for you. Father, every person that I'm talking to now, every person I'm assigned to talk to now, every person that is watching and listening right now, I pray for them, oh God, that they would not waste another day of their life that they would not waste another moment of their being here, that they would come into an understanding of the request that you are placing on their lives and that they would say yes. Somebody just needs to say yes to God right now. Lord, let them, let them say yes, not a shallow yes, not a seasonal yes, not a selfish yes, not a yes if it's make, meeting all my conditions, just like Elisha, I'm burning everything down I got left. Nothing to go back to. A yes, I feel the power of God breaking the doubt and the unbelief and the double-mindedness. I believe God is setting some people free to say yes. What does the future hold, Pastor? If I know what tomorrow holds, I'll say yes. Listen, some of us have come to learn and understand that we don't have to know what tomorrow holds as long as we get to hold hands with the one that knows tomorrow. My yes is not contingent. It's not conditional, Lord. It's yes. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Wherever you are, can you lift your hands and sing that to him? I have decided. I know it's an old song, but he wants it right now. To follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Sing that one more time. Come on, say, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your, he just wants to hear it. Come on, say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes. Now let me declare this over you before we go today. Your yes is getting ready to create ripples. People's lives are going to be blessed by your yes. You're going to be blessed by your yes. God's going to get great glory through a person who says to self, self, you're not going to, you're not going to be the leader in my life. I'm surrendering everything to Jesus. I declare the blessing of God over every house right now. The favor of God upon every one of you who have a yes in your spirit to Jesus. And I know sometimes it feels excruciating and it feels like, how can I say yes? This is the craziest thing I've ever done. I want to tell you on the, other, on the other side of every yes is a great release of favor and blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you today. And may every person in this church family experience the blessing of God as you obey and say yes to him. In Jesus' name, we love you. We'll see you next Sunday, 10 a.m. in this building. Get here. Go in the peace of God today.